Welcome to the Work From Home edition of Market Week in Review for the week ending June 26, 2020. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by our quantitative investment strategist, Kara Ng. Good morning, Kara. Good morning, Sophie. It's a pleasure to have you join us today, and I'm hoping that you can share with us some insights into three things that have been making headlines this week um, and that I've been looking forward to getting your insights on all week, um, to be honest. The first one is we've sort of had a second wave of infections and infection rates and numbers going up, and obviously the market has responded to that. So would want to get your, your input on what is the market responding to there and what have you seen, what's caught your eye. Second, there have been some interesting economic data releases globally this week. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And then lastly, you and your team have just recently put out your global market outlook for you know the next sort of six months, a year time. Time frame. Um, I'd love to get what is kind of a sneak peek into what are the highlights there that we can look forward to when we have a chance to dive down into the details of the report ourselves. Does that sound good? Sounds very good. Excellent. So maybe starting with the fears around a second wave of infections around the pandemic and coronavirus, um, what are your what have been your impressions there and how have markets reacted globally? Mm-hmm. I've said before on past market reviews that the path to economic recovery depends on three things. One, the path of the virus. Two, the economic damage from containment measures. And three, the effectiveness of government and central bank policy to act as a backstop. No real changes on policy this week. Governments and central banks are still committed to do whatever it takes to backstop the economy. But we did get some news, as you said, on the virus and economic data front. Some of the choppiness in the stock market was driven by the resurgence in new virus cases globally, particularly in Latin America, Middle East, South Asia, and parts of the U.S. were previously spared in the first wave. Uh, We all saw that impact of the virus, um, how it had impact on human lives and the economy earlier this year. The stock market was rattled that our containment progress is slipping. Now, there's a glass half full and a glass half empty interpretation of the virus resurgence. On the glass half full side, our knowledge of therapeutic drugs has improved, so the mortality rate might be lower. Uh, We're a few months along in vaccine research. A few U.S. states have delayed reopening, and this morning, Texas reinstated some restrictions. But a widespread second round of lockdowns is less likely unless infections and hospitalizations really spike. On the glass half empty side, even without government mandated lockdowns, we could still see widespread contraction in economic activity because a higher infection rate affects human behavior. Um, I like to refer to a case study of Sweden and Denmark, two similar Nordic countries, but Denmark imposed strict lockdowns in mid-March, while Sweden did not. Unsurprisingly, Sweden had a higher rate of death and infection, but surprisingly, both Denmark and Sweden saw reduced economic activity. Both saw reduced consumption and increased unemployment because with or without mandated lockdowns, most people exercise caution, reducing economic activity. My takeaway, we're marginally more optimistic than a few months ago about the virus impact on the economy because of better better viral treatments, better preparedness, and less likelihood for widespread indiscriminate relockdown. But the path of the virus is still a significant risk because lack of lockdown can still induce slower economic activity if infection rates rise. Interesting. That that's really helpful and interesting that we didn't see necessarily, you know, a, less of a slowdown in certain economies that you know didn't do as much of a lockdown as as isn't. Um, 
leads me sort of to the next question of we had some interesting economic data releases this week. Which ones caught your eye and which ones do you think are the most meaningful for, for us to focus on in this period of constant change and evolution? Overall, economic activity has sharply rebounded after the easing of lockdowns. Um, though manufacturing and service PMIs for U.S., Europe, and U.K. are still in contraction territory, these business surveys have huge improvements for June. These indices are now at about a four-month high. Uh, U.S. consumer spending rose a record amount in May. Uh, jobless claims were mixed. Um, weekly initial and continued claims are still falling, but at a slower pace than expected. Unless something goes wrong, I'm fairly convinced that the U.S. labor market has already passed its bottom. But a concern this week is that after a surge in improvement from reopening, the pace of labor market recovery might be slowing. The U.S. employment report next Friday is a watch point. Yeah, that that seems to always be a watch point, right? That first first Friday of every month um, is is a big one for those of us that watch those jobless claims. Thank you, Kara. Um, Looking out ahead a little bit further, um, you and your team just um, is right in the midst of publishing your global economic outlook that looks at global economies um, and what expectations are for the next six to 12 months. What What are you guys seeing there and what should we be aware of? Sure. Um, In the outlook, we say early cycle, globally coordinated monetary stimulus, record-breaking levels of fiscal stimulus, and muted inflation pressure all create a supportive environment for risky assets. In our previous uh, outlook from March, uh, we argued that risk on assets would outperform defensive assets. At the time, our composite contrarian indicator, which tracks the degree of investor pessimism or optimism, showed that market sentiment was very panicked at the time. When the indicator shows extreme levels of market panic, like what we saw in mid-March, it's historically a very attractive buying opportunity for risky assets because the magnitude impact of negative news is smaller than the magnitude impact of positive news. The supportive sentiment and stimulus backdrop help propel a market rebound. Market sentiment went from overly pessimistic back to neutral on June 5th, suggesting that market reactions to both positive and negative news will now be more balanced. No longer have uh, this asymmetric payoff that we did before. Over the medium term, we still believe that equities will outperform bonds, but over the near term, we believe tactical risks are more balanced now, and we recommend sticking with your strategic, diversified multi-asset portfolio. It's a short and punchy read. I highly recommend taking a look at the report. Excellent. Well, I am sure that we will all clear our calendars for this weekend and next week to to take a look at that. Um, I'm truly excited to to read it. You guys always put together great stuff. So thank you, Kara. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But thank you for your insights, Kara. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. <music>